Sports Fantasy Football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. And then there were four. Four teams remaining with Super Bowl aspirations and four teams ready to go under our microscope, dissecting them for Fantasy Football 2020. One word to describe the the weekend that was Ben Schrager. Henry. <laughs> that That's a good word. That makes sense. Jamie? I guess I'll just uh, say Mahomes. That, that also is a good word. Crazy. Crazy is the word that I would use. I thought it was a crazy weekend. Lots of crazy stuff going on. But an enjoyable one. There was only one dud game in my opinion. There were dud moments in some of the other games. But... I enjoyed it all. Anyway, welcome to Fantasy Football Today. It's Dave, it's Jamie, it's Ben Schrager. We're going to get into everything that happened in the week and what it means for fantasy in 2020. But first, a player who impressed you during the divisional round of the playoffs, Ben. It was Travis Kelsey. I mean, the guy played the least amount of snaps all year because he got hurt, hamstring injury, 10 catches, three touchdowns, dominated the game, led the comeback with Patrick Mahomes. Kelsey impressed me, and he's going to probably make a push towards the end of the first round of 2020 drafts. I really don't see why not. Which is where he was. was a big fan. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He was there for me in 2019. Like, I didn't mind taking him toward the end of round one. I know a lot of people ended up taking him round two. That's probably going to be where Kelsey, I think he could end up being an early round two pick because I think people could look for, like, a stud receiver or the best remaining running back It just depends, like, when you get to that 8 to 10 spot, you know, and you see what's going to be available to you in round two, and if you want to just sort of get ahead of it um, without having somebody, you know, 13 through, you know, 16 taking the player that you want, uh, you know. So if there's a receiver that you think is going to be there in round two, if there's one of those backs that you like that's, you know, that group of Aaron Jones and – I'm trying to think of the other the guy. The Nick Chubbs of the world. Yeah, well, Nick Chubbs probably going to be a first-round pick. But, you know, I, I think Mixon, yeah. you know, the, the, those groups sure. of guys that are going to be, you know, somewhere between in that 15 range. You know, if you if you like those guys, you say, okay, I'll take Kelsey back end of round one and, and, and be happy with it. So um, a lot of people like Kittle still better than Kelsey, though. So that's yeah. going to be interesting, you know, uh, dilemma, I think, that we go through as Kelsey gets a year older. But it's hard, it's hard to get away from what he does for Andy Reid and what he does for Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, he was the highest-scoring non-quarterback in the divisional round of the playoffs. That's in non-PPR leagues, and he was a monster in DFS. If you had him, you pretty much punched your ticket to at least some type of a cash. Jamie, who impressed you? I mean, Devontae Adams was uh, my favorite receiver coming into the year, and obviously the the start was bad with the slow production and the, um, the toe injury, but if they don't add a receiver, he'll be number two for me behind Michael mm-hmm. Thomas, you know. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is a, is a stud, and, and he had another you know strong game in the losing effort for the Texans. But you know you see what he mean what Adams means to this Packers offense. It, it's almost like what we thought of Hopkins without Will Fuller. You know I think so. There's you know Adam talks about this a lot. Adam Mazur talks about this a lot of you know how much when Will Fuller plays it takes away from what Hopkins does. If they don't add anybody of significance, I mean you just see how much Rodgers is locked in on on what Adams does for this team, on what he's capable of doing for this team. I know we had a, a debate earlier in the season about Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams who's the better receiver. Um, there was actually some, I think it was Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network um, said that some of the Seahawks defenders said that they compared him to Keenan Allen, who, who is a very you know excellent player, obviously, and, and, and does a lot of big things, but he doesn't have, I think, the same ceiling like Devontae Adams does. And so, um, not to make it a Keenan Allen-Devontae Adams comparison, but I, I think you just see what Adams' uh, ceiling can be on a, on a 
on a high end, and you know it's it's not a lot of um, competition for targets in that offense. Eight catches, 160 yards, two touchdowns, just a monster game. The best wide receiver of the week for sure. And yes, DFS lineups with Adams and Kelsey probably got you more than the min cash in the past week. I think Adams' quarterback was one of the most impressive players, and I was thrilled to see Aaron Rodgers go out there and play like I remembered Aaron Rodgers as before because there were times this year where Aaron Rodgers just did not look as good as we remembered certainly we drafted him as a top three quarterback he didn't finish as a top three quarterback but he had himself a really I I thought he had a great game against Seattle it ended up being a a pretty easy matchup for him and then Adams was the guy that can he connected with loved the play at the end of the game to to basically ice it with the the rainbow lob to the sideline with Adams I also thought that the the play calling was really good for Green Bay in the game. Well, it's it, it's been kind of the same for them all season long. Great start. They kind of struggle in the second in the middle, and, quarters, and then they come and through then, at the end. And then, you know, like Roger said at the, in the post-game interview, uh, we started strong, we finished strong. You know, and, and the, the thing with Rodgers is, is that I don't think statistically in this offense that this thing stays the same, and if they win a Super Bowl, I would change it. Um, he's going to have to carry the team because the defense is great. The run game is strong. And not that he's a game manager by any stretch because he could still make every throw that you need him to make, but he just doesn't have the same ceiling that we're used to seeing from him. And so, you know, when we went through our top 10 quarterbacks, he was on, I think, three of the five lists as the eight to 10 guy. Um, Mm. And, you know, it was funny because Heath brought up the point of Ryan Tannehill versus Rodgers. This was at peak Tannehill, you know, when we, when we were talking about this, of his stats. Um, I still think most people will take Rodgers over Tannehill, but, you know, the fact that he's in that conversation now is is kind of speaks volumes to where Rodgers is statistically. He could still throw it as well as anybody in the league. If they asked him to throw the ball 35-plus times on a consistent basis, he'd probably be a top-five fantasy quarterback. I just don't think that's what this offense caters to. Do you think he throws 35 times against San Francisco? He's probably going to have to. He's probably gonna have I to. think so, yeah. too. So, so the numbers that he had, 16 of 27, 243 yards, two touchdowns. He also rushed for 14 yards. But see, that's not a great fantasy day. That's a good fantasy day. It's not a great fantasy day. I agree. But I think he can be better than that next week. He might have some turnovers along the way. And I think he'll have a chance to impress again. So while he wasn't even close, he wasn't even a top four fantasy quarterback this past week. Russell Wilson had more fantasy points than he did. I still was impressed with how he did. Honorable mention to Marquise Brown, by the way. I thought Brown, that one-handed catch that he had late in the game where Lamar's throwing into triple coverage, it's a total YOLO ball. He came up with it. I'm excited to draft him in 2020 so if if one of you had taken Rodgers I would have said Marquise Brown all right a player who did not impress you did not come through did not meet your expectations would you like to go first Jamie Eisenberg Lamar Jackson was a was a letdown not that he uh is at fault completely for what this you know loss was for Baltimore but you know this is just what the 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 flaw in the system is when he has to you know throw the ball 50 times that's not what the Ravens want to do it's not his strength and you know, the turnovers were something that we're not used to seeing from him. Uh, the fumble in their own territory, the the interceptions. Constant uh, pressure, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's not on him, but, you know, you expected him to be great. And this is now two straight playoff games where he's looked mediocre. And so that's the thing that he's going to have to overcome. It's going to be the unfortunate storyline for the Ravens all of 2020 is can he win a playoff game? Uh, I hope that's the motivation that he needs to have another MVP season because that would be great for us. But it was just uh, it, it was a little shocking to see against that Titans defense that he played as poorly as he did, and kudos to Tennessee and and Dean Peace and what they did, and you know sort of making things frustrating for him. How much of that do you think came down to not having his 
Mark Ingram really healthy, Mark Andrews really healthy. Those are guys he relied on all year long. They took another game plan. I mean, it was it was great. Um, you know, I didn't think Mark Ingram was going to play healthy uh, to begin with. The fact that he was still limited in practice all week long. I mean, you know, we we had the show last week where I kept saying Gus Edwards. Um, yep. You know, I thought that that should have been the the lead rusher for them. Um, you know, he had another game with his you know rushing average was over five. Um, so he probably could have done a little bit better job if they gave him more work and maybe Justice Hills as well. But um, you know, yeah, you're right. Not having Ingram at 100, percent not having Mark Andrews at 100, percent um, you know, and and that uh, it's not his fault that the defense couldn't tackle Derrick Henry. So, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It, you know his uh, his his performance is not the reason why the Ravens lost. But you know, you're just used to seeing him do some different things. Statistically, he was a star. I mean, obviously, when you know you look at his rushing and, and what he did, but you know, just the this is the next evolution of Lamar Jackson. Is um, they need to get him another maybe one or two outside weapons like Marquise Brown, like you said, Dave was great, but um, yeah, I don't know if Willie Sneed or Seth Roberts are going to be the answers. Right. Those guys aren't, aren't stars and and Marquise Brown's not polished. And so there's, there's a lot more left to see what this offense can bring. And we'll see if, you know, they have to replace two key offensive linemen. If, you know, Yonda and Saffold aren't brought back because of either retirement, you know, Yonda's talked about that before. We'll see about Saffold, what his, you know, long-term plans are, or, you know, I guess short-term plans at this point, but, um, that's the next step for him is is becoming a better passer and it's not that he's a bad passer by any stretch but he's got to you know be be able to you know do Mahomes <laughs> you know yep. when, when you're wow. when you're down multiple scores bring your team back and and you know finish you know the, the right. drive at the end of the first half they score a touchdown there it's probably a different ball game going in the second how half. often were the Ravens down by two scores this Never. year it didn't happen exactly because they were on top of teams yep. early and then they were able to just coast to victories and they couldn't do that in this game it was a dream season for Baltimore just you know nightmare ending absolutely absolutely and 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 like you said Jamie you can't put this on Lamar Jackson no. he's still going to be a great fantasy quarterback and 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 I couldn't stand the reaction of people on Twitter saying well I told you so like are you kidding he just had an MVP type season and he had a great game statistically here he had a great fantasy game he didn't have a great game obviously right well that's what I'm talking about if he had had a great game they probably would have won but that didn't happen I still think he's got a lot of of uh of room to grow I think if there's one thing that I'm nervous about it's that Tennessee laid out a, game, a blueprint for how to try and slow him down, try and get him going sideways. Sure, but so did you know? People thought the Chargers did too in the playoffs last year, and that. But I don't know how many teams tried to do what the Chargers did, uh, with loading I, up on defensive backs. I and, I would think that there was probably some of that at some point during the season. You know, I don't remember exactly. You know, going back through every game, but you don't see that take him away the way that they did. Sure, and try and emulate it in some way, shape, or form, but. Uh, you have to have a pass rush and the defensive backs to sort of play the way they did. And and really by the Chargers, it was by design because they – or I'm sorry, not by design. It was, you know, uh, they had to do it because their linebackers were so beat up. In the and league. it just happened to work out very well for them that it did. Yeah. I almost want to throw out that game against the Chargers for Lamar because it was his first year. He really got thrown into it late in the year because the Ravens weren't doing so well. This one is a little bit more of, of one that he can learn from and one that we can learn from too. Lamar Jackson, number one fantasy quarterback for anybody in this room? 100%. Yes. Number one overall, I'm saying. When when draft day comes, he's at the top of your quarterback rankings. Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't know that I'm going to take him because I think his price point's going to be too no, high. It's going to be too high. But he, he is my number he's one. He's going to be a top five overall pick based on average position. I think that's an easy – you know, Mahomes was seven. Yep. You know, so when yeah. you look at Jackson and the rushing and everybody's going to fall in love with it and, you know, the offseason storylines will be, I'm motivated to overcome this and, you know, I, I want to repeat as MVP. And when they add that weapon, oh, my goodness. Yeah, they'll bring in somebody, you know, whether it's a rookie, whether you know, if they keep – the offensive line, for the most part, intact. 
I don't know what their plans are for Ingram. You know, he's going to be 31. Uh, it's it's December when he's 31, but he'll be 30, you know, to, to open the season. So what they do there is going to be key. What they do to add to, to Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews is going to be key. Um, but, I mean, you know, you don't get 3,000, 1,000 from anybody. Mm-hmm. It's the first time in NFL history, so that's hard to overlook. I've got him number two. I've got Patrick Mahomes number one, but I totally get why you would have Lamar Jackson number one. Uh, quickly, Ben, player who did not impress you. George Kittle, big disappointment. He had seven of eight games, 15-plus PPR points mm-hmm. over the last eight, and what does he do? Three for 16. And They tried to get him in the end zone. They tried. They did. Yeah. They just didn't throw very much, and to be honest, not throwing a lot didn't really affect him during the season. In games where Garoppolo didn't throw a lot, he still put up monster performances. It was just a letdown, and unfortunately – the Niners did really well, so it's kind of like, oh man, is Kittle really have to be that involved? But don't don't take this as any sort of indi- indication of his value. No, he's still going to be super valuable next Absolutely. year. Absolutely, Niners defense really was the superstar of that game. They were all over Kirk Cousins. It felt like every time there was a third down, they were sacking him, and it was just a brutal second half, especially for Minnesota. And it just it just made it easy for San Francisco to just run down the throats of Minnesota, which they did after one of the turnovers. I'm sure Kittle will have a chance to bounce back against Green Bay on Sunday. Sunday. Mine was Duke Johnson, just because he had some opportunities, especially, whoa, Houston, up 24. You think it's going to be an easy type of game where they can just run it, and then all of a sudden, like magically almost, the the Chiefs had 28 points. That game was crazy. I can't wait to talk about that. But Duke Johnson had some opportunities. He didn't come through with it. Not an exciting player to talk about. Not somebody you're going to be interested in spending major draft capital on in 2020. Anyway, that's how we'll start this podcast. And we've got three episodes of this podcast a week. During the offseason, we've never done this before. We're doing it now. We are going to come to you with podcasts from the Super Bowl. We've got a podcast later this week with Cortland Sutton. Did a quick Q&A with him while he was in the office. And we'll have our rotating band of fantasy football lovers joining you, helping you try and win your league. We'll get into specific talks about the new coaches throughout the the offseason. Mike McCarthy with Dallas. What does that mean for Dak Prescott? Kevin Stefanski going to Cleveland. What does that mean for Baker Mayfield and company? Uh, a lot to talk about. And it's going to happen all offseason long to get you ready for your fantasy drafts. We've heard it from our listeners before. Those who participate in the podcast, they download and subscribe it all off season long. They do better in their fantasy leagues when it gets really hot in August and September because they're prepared. So we're doing what we can to help prepare you for your fantasy drafts six, seven months from right now. We also have a newsletter. You can read what we have to say. Ben, what's going on with the newsletter? So the newsletter is going to be the same schedule as the podcast three times a week. Sign up cbssports.com slash newsletter. We're going to have daily fantasy content all off season long. Not only the articles that you guys are writing, talk about our podcasts on there, prospect profiles, rankings. Heath has dynasty rankings coming out. We'll send them right to your inbox. So go to cbssports.com slash newsletter. We'll keep you updated. You get the newsletter, you get the podcast, you tune, tune into HQ a little bit. You'll be so prepared for your drafts come August. You won't be that guy that shows up five minutes late to your draft with a magazine you picked up at a gas station that was you know, got got rankings from some schlub somewhere. I don't know. And, and then they're not prepared. You are. You'll crush it in your leagues. All right. Injuries, news, notes. I already talked about the Cleveland one. They're going to hire Kevin Stefanski. He's not expected to retain Todd Monken. It's going to be the West Coast offense in Cleveland. It should be pretty. I don't know. I, I, I would think that it would be okay for Baker Mayfield. I just feel like they need to address their offensive line. Baker's got to learn to throw on the run. Mm-hmm. That's you know what uh, what a Stefanski offense is going to look like. It's going to be a lot of boots, a lot of play action. Uh, it's great for Nick Chubb. Um, biggest thing they got to do is fix the offensive line. 
I mean, you know, if they can solve that problem, that was their biggest flaw this year, you know, because their skill players were great. And, you know, now Stefanski had a great wide receiver duo of Diggs and Thielen to work with. He's got another great one to work with in Beckham and Landry and hopefully gets on the same page with David Njoku. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case with Freddie Kitchens. So, mm. um, you know, that should be a, a bounce back season for the Browns if, if they can uh, sort of check their egos at the door, which was a, a big problem. So we'll see. What so, do we think of the pass volume in this offense? If they have their way, not much. Right. You know, so it, it'll be Nick Chubb. Right. Nick Which Chubb awesome. will lead the way. Yeah, that'd be great. He'll be worth that first if round they, pick. If they don't retain Kareem Hunt, you know, as well, because that was a little bit of a downturn for Chubb, as we saw. Sure. Didn't get much work in the passing game, and that definitely helped Kareem Hunt out down the stretch. Denver makes a change at offensive coordinator. They get rid of Rich Scangarello. They bring in Pat Shermer. So they're just adding a lot of experience. It's the same type of offense. That's also going to be a West Coast system. I think it's a good move for Denver. I think that you've got somebody who's been playing or calling plays for, you know, several years and certainly last couple of years with the Giants, he'll be able to come into Denver, work with Drew Locke. I think it's a good receiving core. I'm excited with what this could mean for Noah Fant because we've be. seen Pat Shermer put up some really good numbers with his tight ends. Uh, Evan Ingram would have been that guy again this year if he hadn't have gotten hurt. He well, did have com- some good com- games the before. The combo of Ingram and, and Caden Smith was very good. You know, so Ingram was um, top six in points per game. Obviously, only played the eight games, so he was you know thirteen point one PPR points per game, and then Caden Smith, as we saw, you know, with Daniel Jones, didn't work out so much the the two starts that Eli Manning made, but with with Daniel Jones, those numbers were good. The one thing you look at with Shermer is you know he was the tight ends coach in Minnesota before getting the you know offense coordinator job there, and that was Kyle Rudolph's big season was when he was the play caller. What do you think it means for the run game? Think it, it keeps going with a lot of Lindsey and Freeman, or do you think one guy can potentially take over there and be the lead? Well, LaShawn McCoy had two seasons with 300-plus carries. Steven Jackson had two seasons with 300-plus carries under Shermer. I think there's a chance that Lindsey gets fed, but you know, Royce Freeman and Lindsey, pretty similar outputs last year. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably going to be a split, but, but Lindsey is the more impressive runner. I just am very curious about how the red zone touches will be split. Lindsay dominated early on this season, then it became more of a split. So I think it helps Lindsay a little bit, but I don't really know. Not that it's not going to make you want to rush up and draft Philip Lindsay with a top. He's third. not a bell cow just because of the move. No, no. We'll see. Uh, John always, you know, does want to pay Lindsay. Right. So what they do in that regard could sort of speak volumes if they're going to sort of say, okay, you're our guy. And then Freeman, play out your rookie deal and you're done you know i mean you know they they've talked up freeman enough that the play has not matched the conversation you know so they don't really seem to be as enamored with royce freeman as they talk about no but they might need a second bag and who knows what the draft will bring in Denver oh they won't well. add anybody else that way i hope I, not. I, I think freeman's a capable backup you know we, thankfully we haven't seen Lindsay miss any time and look when Lindsay's gotten feature work he's been when freeman's gotten feature work he's been pretty good Philadelphia fired their offensive coordinator, Mike Groh, and quarterback coach Carson Walsh. Walsh, Walsh, Walsh. We'll go with Walsh. Mike Malarkey is retiring. He was last the tight ends coach for the Atlanta Falcons. Drew Brees has been contacted about broadcasting opportunities, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. I'd rather see Drew Brees play football than talk about football. That's just me. He can talk about football in four years. Michael Thomas, <laughs> Michael Thomas played through a broken hand against the Minnesota Vikings. I guess the spin on his hand was more than mm-hmm. Julian Edelman had a had partially torn rib cartilage that came out the same day that he also got arrested. That's fun stuff. Good job for Julian. I mean, he's just 
banging up his body and banging up Mercedes Benz's, I guess. And according to NFL research, Ryan Tannehill joins Hall of Fame quarterback Terry Bradshaw as the only players in the Super Bowl era to win consecutive playoff games with one or more touchdown passes and fewer than 100 yards passing. Bradshaw did it in 1974 in the AFC Championship game and in Super Bowl IX. Great company for Ryan Tannehill. We were just talking before the show about how much the Titans should pay him. And I think it makes sense to give him the franchise tag and then see what happens in 2020. It does. And then when do we draft him knowing that they can succeed with him not throwing a lot and the volume really not being there? He's a late round pick. Yeah, he's going to be, you know, top 15 ish would be my guess, Um, depending on how the rookies shake out and where some of the other free agents go. Because, you know, if Drew Brees is out of the way, for example, or Tom Brady goes to a different team. You know, that'll change, you know, sort of how the rankings could go. Rivers retires um, or plays for a different team. But I think you look at what Tannehill did pre-playoffs, it's hard to overlook that. You know, I mean, the the defense was not good for Tennessee. They played much better in the postseason. And Henry's doing things that, you know, no running back has done. So, um, you know, there's still a lot to like. And that's another team that can add another piece to their passing game too. I think it'll come down to schedule. If Ryan Tannehill's early season schedule, weeks one, two, three, look good, people will draft him to start as their streaming quarterback. Otherwise, if it's a tough schedule to begin the year, I bet no one drafts him. Well, the draft we did last week, the non-PPR draft, I was the last one to take a quarterback, and I think there were already some backups off the the um, off the board at that time. So I took him round 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. So I was fine with that. And then I took Baker as a, as a second quarterback, so. I'll take my chance. And you type of right. Sure. Theoretically, you'd stream with both those guys to begin the year. All right. Let's talk about the players on the teams that were eliminated in the divisional round. We'll talk about where we will rank them in 2020. Let's start with the Ravens because they've got a lot of firepower. They've got a lot of great players. And we know Lamar Jackson will be the first quarterback taken off. They really just have four. Who are the four? It's the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver and the tenant. Probably so. I don't think yeah. anybody's drafting anybody else. Well, the unless. defense, people are going to draft the Ravens sure. defense. And the kicker. So that's five. And Justin Tucker, too. I, I think sure. un- unless, you know, like I, in the two drafts that we did, I took Gus Edwards in both. Um, you know, I, I think he's one of those handcuffs that you cover. You know, he's a lottery ticket. Because I think Ingram, calf injury, now 30. You know, if they're going to continue to lean on him, it could be a problem. What has Gus Edwards done to lose confidence in the coaching staff? Nothing. Nothing. So I think he's going to be involved in what they do, and I think his workload could rise, and it could hurt Mark Ingram. So I wouldn't be as excited to draft Mark Ingram this year as I was last year, and we were looking at Mark Ingram around four-ish. I I think that's probably going to be where he ends up going in 2020 as well. I'm going to guess he goes a little bit lower. just Really? Yeah, it's it's the the bad taste in your mouth of what you saw. You know, not not the – just the playoff performance, the end of the season, you know, just not being there, um, hurting, getting hurt in week 16, you know, not playing week 17. So, you know, you're going to hear a lot about his age and um, you're going to hear a lot in the fantasy community. Uh, justice Hill, Justice Hill, Justice Hill, because that's a guy that people like. And, so, and I think the playoff performance from Justice Hill is going to have people talking even more about him. He's on the field for pretty much all the passing snaps in this playoff game. And I think the play, the offseason hype with Justice Hill will be pretty real. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much that'll translate, but it'll definitely hurt his draft stock. Yeah, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Yeah. yeah. Ingram went at the toward the end of round three in our first non-PPR mock. And I, I, I think that that's a little bit too soon, but this is also a mock with zero rookies. We don't know what the free agency impact is going to bring to other running backs. I think it's it's fine for what we are doing to provide content, but but I think some other guys around him. 
Who are some other guys around him at running back or just in general? Running back. Kenyon Drake went at two picks behind him. Devin yeah, Singletary take... went three picks behind him. Both guys. Of course, I would take Devin Singletary. Absolutely. I'm probably going to end up taking Kenyon Drake out of him too. It depends on where David Johnson is and what that situation. How about Philip Lindsay? Where David Johnson is. I'm more concerned about Kenyon Drake. <laughs> Drake is in Arizona. I'll take him over. Philip Lindsay or Mark Ingram? Uh, right now, Lindsay. I'll take Ingram. I think I'm going to take Lindsay over Ingram just because I expect Ingram to share a little bit more in 2020. Mark Andrews, where you, where you feel like he's going to go, is he a top six fantasy tight end? He's four for me. Okay. I have him at four as well. I, it's going to be tough because do you take him in the fourth round and lock up your tight end there? Or do you wait and get a tight end late and let someone else kind of reach on an Andrews? Because we've seen Andrews do really well, but we know he doesn't play a lot of snaps. He doesn't have a lot of targets. He was very efficient, a lot of touchdowns this year. How much does he regress next year? It'll come down to if he stays at four for me, what they do with their receiving core. Um, you know, he finished two targets shy of 100. You know, he would have been in that rare 100 target club at the tight end position. Um, you know, the touchdowns are the biggest thing because he was second in the position in, in touchdowns. And is that sustainable? You know, so if people are going to, and I'm sure Keith will probably be the one driving the train, you know, the touchdown regression um, from a passing standpoint for Lamar Jackson, he's the one most likely to lose because if Marquise Brown takes the next step and again, if whoever they add, sure. Uh, will will help in that regard. But I also think that you see a little bit more from him. He would have been over a hundred targets. He had, you know, a, a knee injury in the middle of the season and barely played week 17. Uh, I think he barely played week 17. I don't remember if he was one of the guys that wasn't active, but um, you know, you, you get a hundred targets in this offense with what he should be. You know, he's, he's Kittle, he's Kelsey. You know, I don't think Marquise Brown is going to overtake him as the target leader as the guy that's the go-to option in, in, in Greg Roman's offense. So I still like what Mark Andrews brings. Um, but, you know, you can debate Darren Waller. You can debate Hunter Henry. You can, you know, throw Evan Ingram up there if you want to. How about Austin Hooper? Austin Hooper is another one. Yeah. You know, so that was the, the – when I wrote the top ten tight ends, that was the spot where everybody differed. You know, we all had the same top three, five of us, uh, every single one of uh, Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz, and then it was a different number four. Mm -hmm. So it was, it, was, uh, it was pretty interesting to see that. I think of him more as a short area target and red zone threat for the Ravens. Oh, you would think that, but think he is? absolutely, he had more deep ball routes than any other tight end, yeah, he's which is pretty really? crazy. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? I remember thinking just off the top of my head, doing my research on Lamar Jackson this time last year, Andrews was the only guy he could connect with on those deeper routes. So I'm taking back what I said. Obviously, he's good at that role as well, but I feel like that Marquise Brown could be the deep, deep shot guy, which well, we've course. seen from him before. Yeah, if they add another weapon, I think that's going to hurt Mark Andrews. He went 52nd overall in our non-PPR mock. Too soon? Too late? That's a steal. Steal. I think it's about right. I think it's about right for him. Okay. Uh, Lamar Jackson, we already talked about him. Pretty much going to be a first-round pick no matter what we say. Perfect world. Lamar Jackson would be your second-round pick. You'd take him in round two? The turn. If he's there? Turn. So, Late round two. I, I really don't even want to take him in round two. There's too much talent, I think, that'll be there. I got Josh Jacobs at the end of late round two in our PPR mock. Mm -hmm. I would much rather have Josh Jacobs than Lamar it's, Jackson. It's the same thing we see time and time again. Mahomes, he missed time with injury. You know, he wasn't having the same statistical, you know, outburst that we saw in his MVP season. There's going to be something with Lamar Jackson that drops his stats down, whether it's five touchdowns, whether it's 100 rushing yards, whether it's 400 rushing yards. You know, one thing we talked about during the season, um, like Pete Prisco, for example, says he expects 3,500 passing yards and about 800 rushing yards. You know, so that clearly hurts his fantasy production, it makes him a better player, um, potentially. But, you know, 
the the stat change, however it comes about, he's not going to probably be 1,200 rushing yards again. It's just, you know, not realistic to expect that. He could, which would be great. But, you know, 43 total touchdowns, let's say that's 35. And, you know, like, you know, Dave, you have Mahomes ahead of him. He could, you know, return to being a 50-touchdown quarterback. But the biggest thing is, is that Mahomes was – just around the number 10 quarterback in 2018. Jackson was the number 14 quarterback off the board in 2019. You know, so who's going to be the guy this year? You know, is it Kyler? Is it Josh Allen? You know, the two guys that finished behind him in rushing production? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be, you know, somebody else that takes that next leap that may not be the best quarterback in fantasy, but could be top five, you know? Um, well, you saw three of the top quarterbacks this year were late round picks. Jameis was the number 13 quarterback off the board. He was 14. You know, yep. so those two in particular, the ones that stood out to me. And so he could still be top five. He could still have a great season. He could be top three. He could be two. You know, but with the where you're taking him in round one, again, most likely, to where the second, third, fourth, fifth guy comes off the board or the 13th, 14th guy comes off the board, that's yeah. how you, you know, sort of build your team. It's why Lamar Jackson was so good for fantasy this year is because you're able to get him mid to late round pick yeah and I, I just i feel like the investment that you're gonna have to make in him he's gonna have to come close to what he did last year i don't know if he can get 36 passing touchdowns but i think the seven rushing touchdowns is that could go up i yeah, yeah. like i think that that could go up um it, it to me it's a close call between him and mahomes i think mahomes is better than the stats that he put up in 2019 and so that's why i think patrick mahomes is like but how early would you quarterback take mahomes? like round three Right. So, uh, like, I'm 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 in the same boat as you guys. I just look at the quarterbacks just a little bit different. The the thing with Mahomes is, I mean, again, he you know played through the high ankle sprain, lost the time with the knee injury, lost Tyreek Hill for four games. You yeah, know, right. So there were things that, and this could happen to Lamar Jackson. You know, he could lose Mark Andrews for for five six games. He could lose Marquise Brown for two or three games. You know, he may not get another piece. He may lose Yonda and Saffold and. And an offensive line could be an issue. You know, I don't know about their free agents and whatnot. You know, so they could lose something there, as we saw it hurt Jared Goff, for example, who was a great fantasy quarterback the year before. So there are things that we still have to work through uh, to, you know, sort of determine how good Lamar Jackson could be or how far he could fall, how much he could fail. And same thing with Mahomes. I mean, you know, there's a. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins could be replaced by somebody better. You know, we could see, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey have a fall off as he goes, you know, from 31 to 32. Tyreek Hill could be healthy the whole year. How about a run game? Year, or maybe this is the Tyreek Hill that we're getting where we're not getting the consistent performance like we saw, which made Mahomes as good as he was in, in 2018. There's, there are things that you work through with these quarterbacks, and it comes down to the investment you make in these guys, and that sort of swings your fantasy team. There are a lot of people that missed the playoffs because Mahomes was bad mm -hmm. from the standpoint of where he was a year ago because you took him so high. And if Kansas City adds a run game, all of a sudden maybe he's not throwing quite as much, and that could be something that I don't could, know. As long as he's still bit. a coach, he's throwing quite as much. But he'll still throw quite a bit. Uh, real quick, Marquise Brown, what round would you feel comfortable taking him in? Seven, eight. Yeah. Eight, nine. I got him in late round eight. I was thrilled in the non-PPR that we did. All right, so let's move on from Baltimore to Minnesota. We'll keep it purple. Dalvin Cook, top three pick. Seems pretty simple, cut and dried. Five for me, but yeah. Yeah, he's my number three. Are you worried about Alexander Madison having a larger role, similarly to what we were saying about Gus Edwards cutting in to Mark Ingram? Maybe, but if they promote Kubiak, which makes the most sense, just make him the official offensive coordinator. I don't mind Madison. If that happens, I'll touches. be very happy. Yeah, I don't know, that again, Ben. I wouldn't mind Madison getting five, six touches. Give Dalvin a little bit of rest. If Dalvin gets fifteen to twenty touches, he's going to be a top five running back. Here are some stats provided by Adam Azer who has a sick cat. That's why he's not here today. First seven games, Dalvin Cook was the number two fantasy running back in both formats. 
He averaged 5.5 yards per carry, 9.2 yards per catch. His last seven games, ninth in non-PPR, fifth in PPR. He averaged 3.5 yards per carry and 10.3 yards per catch. He finished the season with eight straight games, including the postseason, averaging 3.7 yards per carry or less. The only thing with him is the injuries. I mean, you, you, know, you see what the upside is. We saw it in his first four games of his rookie season. We saw it in spurts in his sophomore season, you know, when he wasn't fighting the hamstring injury. And obviously this year was uh, just a, a superstar campaign. But once again, wasn't on the field at the end of the season. You just always have to have that concern with him you know he's just going to be one of those guys that these injuries just keep racking up for him and they're different injuries you know the torn acl hamstring shoulder injury you know so i don't want to say he's injury prone but it's hard to overlook that he hasn't played 16 games in three seasons and will he give you that in in year four when you're comparing him to elliot who never misses time barring the suspension barkley who came back early from the high ankle sprain is really mm-hmm. the only injury we've seen from him so far younger younger nfl career by one year but you know, those are the guys you're comparing him to, you know, and so it's a matter of McCaffrey, does Cook go there, does Cook go here, does Cook go there, and then when you're talking PPR, I think Michael Thomas is the second best player because, you know, you get 140-plus catches, uh, that's hard to overlook as well. So um, he's in that mix of, uh, you know, two through five, I think, for, for most most rankless is what you'll see. I think so too. All right, Diggs, Thielen, when? When do you pull the trigger on these guys? And who do you feel better about between the two? Thielen. I feel better about Thielen. Same. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But I don't know if I'm going to be as excited to take him around 45th overall. He'll be gone before then. You think so? PPR for sure. And PPR, I'd take him in the third round. Late third, oh. but I would take him in the third. I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily an uh, indication that he should go there. I'm just saying. You know, right. Okay. Go. And I'm, you know. You know, gee, Willikers, I can't believe that he's yeah. going to go that I mean, high no, again. I, I don't, I don't know what uh, what Ben Gretsch will finish with when we get to you know our rankings by August. But in the top ten, he had Diggs at ten. Uh, you know, and so that was uh, the the one that stood out to me the most of the fifty players that I you know looked at at the receiver spot was Diggs in the in the top ten for anybody. Um, you know, this was his I think his best game on the road. He didn't play well on the road at all this year, uh, Diggs. And so, you know, it it seems to be a byproduct of Healthy feeling, not healthy feeling, feeling on the field, feeling not on the field. And, you know, obviously Thielen was not 100% with the Yeah, well, since Thielen's return, digs less than five targets a game. Yeah, and, you know, if it's Kubiak, you got to assume things will be the same. If they bring in another offensive coordinator to play Stefanski, will that be a different system that, you know, they put Kirk Cousins and, and these receivers through? Um, clearly the defense is, is fading. You know, it's not the same group that we've been accustomed to the last couple of years. Not that they were awful, but you know, put them in some spots where there was some bad secondary play and, you know, that could continue to snowball. And then we see maybe some more back and forth type of games for the Vikings. But I think it's Dalvin Cook is is clearly the catalyst of this offense. And then it's very hard for these two guys to both be great week in, week out. And so it's just a matter of who do you like better. Um, I think most people will probably still take Thielen over Dix. Thielen in our non-PPR mock went 35th overall. So late round three. That's non-PPR. Yeah. And then Diggs, where do you think he went? Probably either in the same range or a little bit higher. 46th overall. Azer pulled the trigger on Stefan Diggs late round four. And this was, we did this draft following the wild card round when Dillon had the monster game. Mm-hmm. I I think that this can be a team that throws a little bit more, like, like you guys said. I, I wonder if the change in coordinators on both sides of the ball impacts what Minnesota does. And Kirk Cousins, I don't know if he's going to be as good as he was this past year. So I'm, I'm kind of worried all the way you around. You do have really interesting things pulling at each other here because 
Zimmer and Cousins are entering contract years. So you have Zimmer, who we know what he wants to be. He wants to run, play defense, be conservative, and you know try and keep the clock on his side. And then you have Cousins, who's probably going to want to have a Dak Prescott type of year of you know put on a big statistical performance and show that he can still get another big contract, if not stay in Minnesota on another deal. So how those things play out, clearly Zimmer is going to be the one pulling the strings, but you know we'll see how that impacts Cousins and 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 those receivers. So I, I think both receivers are are you kind of we have enough of a sample size with Cousins to know what they are. That Thielen has been better statistically, especially when healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Diggs is going to have these splash moments and can still be good for you. I think I'll continue to say what I've said all along about him is that I don't think his stats are ever going to match the type of player that he is. He's probably capable of doing a lot more and may never fulfill that with his prime years in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. Which makes me sad. Sad emoji when I think about that. Cousins and Kyle Rudolph guys that you might take with your third to last pick if you like who they play. I wouldn't even. I think good matchup in week one. You wouldn't even take them. I would pick them up right before week one, but I wouldn't even use a draft pick. Well, if if you're going to pick them up before week one, then – you're just going to hold another player. Just rather have an upside guy. Then. See what happens during training camp. Houston, DeAndre Hopkins. First of all, was his season a disappointment or was his season a, a moderate success? It obviously wasn't a huge success. It was a disappointment. I don't, he wasn't a bust by any means, but it was definitely a disappointment. The wide receiver position was down this year, and Hopkins still top five, top ten receiver, depending on format. But it was just a disappointment. He played really well with Fuller off the field, but with Fuller on the field. He kind of scared me. He, he wasn't that you know top three wide receiver that some people drafted him at this year and some people are going to draft him at next year. He was in the top five. You said it, Ben. It was down year for wide receivers. It's his worst year since his rookie season, non-Brock Osweiler. You know, so if you're looking at it, comparing it to him, it was down year. If you're comparing it to the position this year, he was fine. Obviously, he was. this is Mahomes. You were expecting him to be the best at his position, and he wasn't. And he was passed by Michael Thomas, who wasn't far behind in terms of draft value. But he was passed by Godwin. In some cases, you know, format matters. But he was passed by Cooper Cup. You know, so Julio, the, too, in uh, PPR. Um, right. You know, the, again, the, the, those, you know, Thomas and Julio, you're sort of nitpicking there. But you expect him to be better than, you know, the breakout guys of Godwin and, and Cup. Um, and you expect him to be on par with what he's used to doing. So... Is there bounce back potential here, or is this kind of who he is? If Fuller's healthy now, Kenny Stills, I think, is, is still under contract for another year, um, and the run game hopefully will be better. You know, it was a better year for them running the ball than we've seen in the last couple of years because Carlos Hyde was a little bit more consistent than what Lamar Miller had done. So, you know, with a improving offensive line, you know, hopefully the two young kids that they drafted get better and healthy, and you have Tunsil under contract. You know, so. Does Hopkins still have the same ceiling that we've seen when he was just completely obliterating everybody? And I don't know if that's the case. He's still a great receiver. He still should be a first-round pick. He should still be one of the top five guys in his position off the board. He's not going to be drafted out of Thomas. That's clear. And then it comes down to Julio, Adams. You know, if you want to throw the two Tampa guys in the conversation, Evans and Godwin, I don't think those guys have gotten to his level yet. But, you know, they they had great seasons. Um you know, that's just kind of where, where it is, I think, with Hopkins. And we're starting to see maybe the, the slow slide, not a decline by any stretch. But, I mean, again, I still take him in the first round and, and, and no hesitation. In, in PPR, I think he makes sense. In non-PPR, I don't know oh, if I'm ready to take him in the first round. There's no – you may not, but there's no question he's going to be a first-round pick. What about uh, Deshaun Watson, who I think is – I've got him at number three 
at quarterback. It was, it was consistent across the board. It was Mahomes, Jackson, Jackson, Mahomes, and then Watson was three. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I feel like he'll be the best bargain of those guys because I don't think he'll go anywhere close to the first round. Lamar will be a first round pick. He's going to go will be, three. Yeah. Like I, among Maybe those late three, round two, depending on how quarterbacks go in, in certain leagues. I don't know if I'm ready to take him in late round two. That's something I got to wrap my head around. But no, no I but think I'm saying, like, if, if we're looking ADP wise, Jackson will be a first round pick. Mahomes will be in the top 15. I agree. And then Watson will be somewhere between 20 and 30, you know, just on the right. I think the only value where we see Watson is going to be in an industry draft where everyone's down on the quarterback position. Everyone's and you just trying snag to him in late round four, early round five, most drafts, like that. But most drafts, he's not going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think he'll be good. Like, I know, I feel like this year was kind of a down year for him. He had some bad games along the way yeah. and he, you know, some monster games as well. And he also plays a lot better with Fuller too. Yeah. He needs Will Fuller because that's somebody that can get him some some pretty big numbers. And so let's talk about Will Fuller. He was like a round seven pick back in August. You know what he is. You know exactly. What At is. what point do you do you take the risk on Will Fuller? If he's healthy going into camp, he's in the Marquise Brown range. You know, uh, slightly ahead just because of, you, you've seen what the ceiling can be. Um, and Marquise Brown, I think, wants to get to where Will, where Will Fuller is because there's similar type of players. You know, I mean. Brown should have a higher ceiling because hopefully he becomes the featured guy in his offense, whereas Fuller's never going to be that player. But I mean, the talent is, is is exceptional. It's just it's hamstring, it's knee, it's ankle, it's you know all these things that just contribute to him not staying on the field, and it's just become increasingly frustrating. What do you make of his three touchdowns this year, all coming in one game? Just more of the another three touchdown game against the Chiefs too. You know, so there's right. there's just that that's what he is. You know, I mean, he's. Uh, He's got the chance to be a, a thousand and eight, a thousand and ten. You know, he's just that type of player. But that could be over five games. <laughs> you know, it's just that's the that's the problem. I'm wondering if if the clock has hit zero on him already, and that he's not going to be ever close to getting to that one thousand. So this will be his touchdown. his fifth year option, right? Fifth year coming up. Yeah. yeah so I'm assuming they're picked up if they haven't already. Um, I'm sure they will. And so he's going to be locked in as their two. Um, it, it, the stats for Deshaun Watson bear it out. So, you know, as long as he's on the field, there's always a chance for great performances. He feels very much like a Sammy Watkins, you know, never going to live up to his potential based on when we see greatness. It's it's amazing, but it's not consistent. I think I'm ready to take Marquise Brown ahead of him. Understandable. I think Marquise Brown has just a little bit more upside. I know that the, the quarterback in terms of just pure passing ability, Watson's got it ahead of Lamar Jackson, but I still feel like that, Brown, who's got his own injury issues, they are kind of the same player. Very similar. When you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you, you hope that Brown exceeds what Will Fuller right. is right now. Like, I'd rather take him in round eight than Will Fuller in round eight. Sure. Although, I wouldn't mind getting both of them and just going with the one who I think is going to yeah, play if you well. Take, if you take two receivers early and then you want to, you know, get a number three guy that has upside or two number three guys that have upside, these are the perfect. Team. Great flex combo. Yeah, for sure. What about, so some guys that were drafted, receivers that were drafted ahead of them in our non-PPR mock. Christian Kirk, Robbie Anderson, and Marvin Jones. Are, I mean, you, are you taking any of those three they're ahead of either of those two? I would take Kirk ahead of those two in, in PPR. Yeah, I get that. I think there's more upside for him catching the ball. But, I mean, Robbie Anderson, if he stays with the Jets, yeah, you know, that's the same player. It, you know, it, it's He might be the same player if he goes to the Jets, the Eagles, the Dolphins. Sure. It almost might not matter. Sure. But, you know, th- these are the type of guys that just have not been – consistent 70 plus catch guys they haven't been consistent staying on the field they haven't been consistent in their production week in week out i mean you know it's funny it feels like we're doing marvin jones a disservice because he was better than all of them this year yeah 
It's true. Uh, Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson. I assume that one or both could get replaced. Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller will probably go right back to the Hyde role, is my guess. If if, if he's ready to go, that's, that's a spot they just need to upgrade. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it too. They they and I also think they're still going to need to address their offensive line. It's not as big of a, a concern as it was this time it's last capital. year. Capital. Yeah. They're, probably through free agency. Uh, they're they're a team that seems to be kind of in trouble. Their defense might not be so good next year. They might have to do a little bit of scoreboard chasing. That makes me like Deshaun Watson. I'm starting to – maybe I will end up taking Deshaun Watson in late round I don't know if their address. defense gets worse than what it was this year because it was pretty bad. I don't know how it gets a lot better. Seattle, they're out. Russell Wilson was awesome as a quarterback for most of this year. As a fantasy quarterback, he left a lot to be desired. He still was top five, though. He was. I, I wish he was a little more consistent. Because his big games were big and his bad games were kind of crappy. Yeah, I, I feel like we've seen a little bit more consistency from him in the past. I can't, yeah. I can't say statistically that's, that's, when it happens. That's his whole career. He gives you a 40 game and then he gives you 10. And then he gives you 25 and then he gives you 15. All right, so what is it going to take for him to be a consistent fantasy uh, quarterback? Schottenheim relieving probably yeah. and then realizing that running on first and second down for the first three quarters until you're in a tie ball game or you're chasing points and then making Russell Wilson be Superman. I mean, you know, it's just, it's stupid. It's, it's totally stupid at this point, but this is what they are. I mean, it's worked for them. So kudos to them, but um, you know, you have, I'll say three very good parts. Tyler Lockett had a breakout season. Like we thought, you know, thousand yards for the first time targets went up. He was successful. DK Metcalf, great rookie receiver. Um, hopefully will improve in his second year. And I think the combination of their tight ends, whether it was Disley or Hollister, good third piece you know they tried to get another option with josh gordon it failed um we'll see what they do you know maybe to add another another receiving option there and hopefully chris carson's healthy but you know the combo of carson penny if that's not right and you know they've tried over the last couple of years to get a receiving back and cj prosize maybe they add another player there maybe it's travis homer who who you know did some nice things at the end of the season in that role but this is what they are you know it's just a matter of they need to fix their defense. That's the biggest flaw for the Seahawks. It's like Houston, yeah. Um, and so if this continues to be their defense, then you know maybe that helps Russell Wilson. But he was also three and four with the same quarterbacks across the board for us. You know, so it was uh, Jackson, Mahomes, Watson, Watson three, and and Wilson was four. It's almost like you don't know who else to put it for, so you just go ahead and well, throw Russell Wilson. You know, in there. it's uh, y- you know, Breeze. Who knows? Rodgers has fallen off. Brady's fallen off. You know, I don't think anybody's ready to put as we. You know, saw last year, you know, the next hot flavor of the month, which was Baker Mayfield um, ahead of Russell Wilson, you know, which would be Kyler Murray. My guess is going to be everybody's favorite breakout candidate. So I don't think anybody's taking Kyler over Russell. So he's we could get to that point, though. Uh, it's just it, going to take a lot from Arizona it, for us. To it get would there. probably be a mistake, um, you know, and I, I'm guilty of, you know, saying Baker was going to have a breakout season. So and ADP. Last year, Russell Wilson was uh, just inside the top 10. You know, he was the ninth quarterback off the board. Mm-hmm. Um, again, mistake. You know, so we, we I think we just come to expect Russell Wilson to put up great numbers. Doesn't always mean it's going to happen week in, week out, but you just have to understand who he is. Well, year over year, he is a great, consistent quarterback in terms of total production. But that, the week to week stuff this this year is really right. You got to eat it. You got to just deal and, with and it. And now you're facing a, a division that, you know, probably going to be some shootouts with the Rams you know we've seen that from those two teams when they meet you're probably going to be chasing points against the 49ers or in a game where he's going to have to be Superman again and then if Arizona's offense takes the next step then that could be a game where you know we're seeing some more shootouts where they've just sort of trampled the division during most of Russell Wilson's tenure 
he hasn't had to do very much. You know, the Arizona game this year was a big example of that. You know, we thought, okay, here's Arizona. They're just giving up points after points after points. It was the first meeting, and he was the first one not to go over 20 fantasy points against the Cardinals because they just ran all over. So, um, you know, this is a team that's very much in flux uh, with their run game and their defense, as we saw at the end of the year. But not their quarterback. He was the number one quarterback in fantasy in 2017. He was number eight in 2018. He was fourth in consistency in 2018 11 of 16 games with 20 plus fantasy points just didn't have a lot and this is 2018 i'm talking about he only had three games with 30 plus so he was good that year on a per game basis only had a couple of duds here and there but he didn't reach those huge highs i don't think he was ever the number or once no not at all 2018 was he the number one quarterback and in 2019 i think he was one time he had the the best game of any quarterback in terms of fantasy so i get him as a top four fantasy quarterback who are you taking first, Lockett or Metcalf? Lockett for me. I kind of I kind of like what DK Metcalf I mean, can Met- bring. Metcalf finished better than Lockett. Lockett was better over the course of the season. It's just where's the ceiling lie for Metcalf cuz I think this is the ceiling for Lockett. Now, you know, he did struggle with a couple of injuries, um, you know, and who knows how long it took him to get back to full strength following the hospital stay in San Francisco and then the flu, you know, that little stretch really I think put a damper on what his season was. Uh, I want to see what else they do. If they keep locking in the slot, you know, because he stepped up for Doug Baldwin, you see what the numbers are. You know, first time over 100 targets. The receptions were great. Um, his yards per catch came down, but that's to be expected when he's getting more targets. And he was just, you know, very, very good over the course of the year. But he's Russell Wilson at the receiver spot. There's going to be big games. There's going to be bad games. There's going to be a lot of inconsistent performances. I think Metcalf can maybe be a little bit better, but I think Lockett's certainly safer. So it's a matter of, I think, what your preference is. You know, are you taking the, the receiver with the pacifier or are you taking the one that's been proven? What do you think, Dave? Uh, well, I'm checking to see. Lockett finished as the 12th, quarter, 12th wide receiver, rather, in PPR. 231 fantasy points. He had a 32-point game, and he had a 40-point game. So those really helped push him up. Sure. To be but he also had the three duds when he had the flu and when he wasn't oh, healthy. Oh, I mean, yeah, he had he had a pretty bad stretch with the leg flu deals that he had. And he only had he had two good games to round out the year. Week 15, 26 points. Week 17, which no one really used him for unless you played into week 17. He had 17 points that week. I, I, I think that he can be what he was at the beginning of the season. But I think DK Metcalf is going to be just such a problem because he's got the same type of speed that Tyler Lockett has. He's not as good as a route runner, but he can make improvements in his second season. And I think he's got a chance to be uh, certainly more dominant in the red zone. Remember, what did he start the year with? Was it nine end zone targets or red zone targets? And he didn't even catch any of them. And then he finally and then it was the, the Atlanta game. He had two touchdowns. So it took him a while to really get going this year. I would expect him to improve in his second year. And if this offense does end up throwing a little bit more, he can end up with more touchdowns than Tyler Lockett and maybe as many targets, catches, and yards. Well, maybe it wasn't, more it wasn't far off. I mean, it was he 11, 11 targets difference. You know, the, the only thing was the, you know, 82 catches for 58. You know, he was 100 yards apart, essentially, and one touchdown. You know, so I also, you know, think if Will Disley's healthy, you know, the numbers were certainly different for Metcalf when Disley was on the field versus when Disley was off the field. So Disley is probably going to be our second favorite tight end among the teams that we're talking about here. Baltimore, Minnesota, Houston, Seattle. If he's healthy, I mean, it's a tough injury to come back from. Would, is he somebody that you're going to target late on draft day, especially if the schedule is nice for Seattle to begin the season? All depends on health. You know, I mean, he's coming back from an Achilles tear. This is now two injuries, back-to-back years where he hasn't been able to finish the season. 
he was great. He was he was absolutely great. Um, and you know, I think they, you know, Hollister had some great moments too. He just wasn't as explosive. But I, I think if you get to the point in your fantasy draft where people are taking two tight ends and you didn't take one, this is a, a great fallback option. I don't care what the schedule is, but uh, maybe they open Arizona. That'd be nice. That would be um, amazing. But. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot to like about what Russell Wilson has done with the tight end in his career. You know, Jimmy Graham for one season and, you know, Disley for parts of two others the last two years. Speaking of injuries, there's Chris Carson. Can he be a top 12 fantasy running back? No, nor should he be. I don't see it. I'm not saying drafted as one because I agree with you on that. He's not going to get drafted as a top 12 running back. And, and I almost wonder if he would if he hadn't have gotten hurt. Could he have ended up being a second-round pick and not – sure, not PPR. No, he wouldn't be a second-round pick. You know, he's 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 a third-round Would he pick. have been if he no. didn't get hurt? I think Because now he's definitely not. If Penny didn't get the chance to emerge late in the season, yes, sure. But when Penny was on the field for those majority of snaps, a lot of touches, Carson had the one really good game, but also a really bad game. So it's scary with Penny in the mix and coming off the injury – I don't think he should be drafted. But they're both coming off injuries, you know, so Penny may not be ready to go at the start of the season either. Carson's expected to be fine, you know, uh, but you have to wonder, you know, with this is my fear with Henry, too. It's, you know, these physical running backs, they're able to do it over a short span. It's just they don't do it over a long span. And this is, you know, kind of why people get scared about paying running backs because of what the contact that they've taken, you know. So two of three years now for Carson, he hasn't been able to finish the season, the ankle injury in his rookie year and now this hip injury. And so for a guy that runs to contact, what's the concern? This is the concern, you know, and so do the Seahawks add somebody else now to pair with Penny and Carson, knowing that they may not be 100 percent as a duo for training camp? Is it Homer? Is it bringing back Marshawn Lynch just as a Band-Aid, you know, just in case they need him to be this guy again? But you see what this offense is. I mean, nine touchdowns for for Carson on the ground or nine total touchdowns. Excuse me. Um, Marshawn Lynch scored four touchdowns in three games, you know, so they used their backs outside of the one time at, at the goal line. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, he's very good. It's just a matter of, can know, he, can he hold up? Yeah. And, and what's the, and can he fend off Rashad Penny or, or it's a lot else. of questions. Someone else. Yeah. It's a lot of questions for a guy who went in early round three in our non PPR mock. And I love the talent and I love the fit. Don't love the offensive line. I think that uh, you know, it really hasn't next mattered year though, ago. Him, though. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I I almost wonder if he's a he he'd obviously be one of those guys that you'd prefer to get a little bit later on. You could conceivably draft him and Penny, and we're almost right back where we were a year ago, where we were drafting both of those guys. If you were so inclined to get Carson with the top thirty pick, and then Penny went seventy sixth overall in our non PPR mock. Yeah, but that's Will Brinson's got a infatuation with Rashad Penny. He had it last year too. Yeah. And um And it's an ACL for Penny, so who knows how soon. But apparently it was bad though. You know, so that's the the key. Uh you know, you you feel like Seattle, I don't know if it's a a Schneider thing or if it's a Carroll thing or it's, you know, this is the guy we drafted. We have to justify the first round pick from a couple years ago. So we're going to try and make this work. Yeah, or it's is not it just work. Carson? Well, I mean, look, Penny was, you know, if he hadn't gotten hurt, who knows what this would have been for him to finish. And 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 if it had played out where he was healthy and Carson suffered the the knee the the hip injury, you know, and Penny scoring four touchdowns in in three games like Marshawn Lynch did, we're talking about Penny probably as the better of the Seattle running backs coming into 2020. Let's do a little rapid fire as we move away from playoff teams and talk about the breaking news going on with a non-playoff team. The Jaguars have parted ways with John DiFilippo. That's thing. So this guy can't hold a job for a year. He left Minnesota early. Now he's leaving Jacksonville early. Doug Marone's sticking around. DiFilippo is not. 
what do you think this means for the future of the Jacksonville offense? Are they going to try and be a little bit more conservative now? That's kind of that's what I'm thinking. I, and I don't know if he was necessarily a reason why the Jaguars were so bad this year. I just think the injury to Nick Foles got them off to kind of a rocky start. Minshew got him got them going in a different direction, but the defense wasn't really as good Especially as Especially the run defense be. was awful. Yeah, they were terrible. So I, I don't understand why he's taking the fall for this, but is this a step toward Jacksonville saying, okay, we want to there be a little be more conservative? There must be somebody out there that they like. That's probably, you know, you're starting to see all – I mean, all the coaching spots are filled now. So there's either somebody, maybe Scandarello, you know, that they want to make a move like that. You know, somebody who's just recently fired. Or there's somebody that they like in the college ranks that they want to, you know, uh, bring in. Or there's somebody on their staff. Could it be Todd Monken? Uh, could be Todd Monken. That would be fun. Uh, that's of course, then that they're keeping their pedal to the metal on offense then because Filippo this, and this, Monken. This is something to watch because DeFilippo was fantastic for Fournette in terms of his reception. You know, over 70 catches. This was something that we talked about that he likes to throw to his backs. He did. Fournette was, was awesome. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to really change your view of the receivers because, you know, I think they, they've kind of proven what they are. You know, DJ Chark's the, the, the rising star. And then you see, you know, Westbrook has still probably the second highest ceiling of that group. And then we'll see what they do in terms of filling that third and fourth spot um, in their offense. But, uh, you know, this is this is all eyes on Fournette right now. You know, and who's going to be the quarterback, you know, whether it's Foles or it's Minshew. But, you know, if they hire somebody that is more conservative, that's not going to throw to their backs as much, then it's, it's going to be bad for Fournette to still be in that top 10 conversation. He's still going to be uh, a round two pick, I think, at the latest, maybe early round three. But, um, you know, DeFilippo was good for Fournette. We will we'll, we'll attack that offense more when they do have a new offensive coordinator and what it could mean for Fournette. But hopefully they keep Fournette involved in the passing game. That would be sensational for his fantasy value. Rapid fire, more thoughts from the divisional games. These are questions from Adam Azer. Does Derrick Henry have to be a first-round pick in any format at this point? Yes. I think so. What would be the concern? in what, What's the Break case down. against him? It's the touchdown regression. That's the only thing. You think the touchdowns will go down, and he's not using the pass game, but he is such a beast. He's getting the 15-plus touches guaranteed, and there's no reason to me that his touchdowns will go below 10 next year. I understand regression. He's going to go closer to the mean but the guy is going to score every time they're within the three yard line so i don't see why henry's not a first round pick did tevin coleman's game make you want to avoid drafting a 49ers running back in 2020 yes absolutely um i mean avoid early what round would you take tevin coleman in 10 9 or 10 i'd rather draft mostert at this point he went with the first pick in round nine in our non-ppr mock I think that's right around the time to take him just to add running back depth because I think he'll be part of that run game in San Francisco. It's funny because before the game, uh, I was with two 49ers fans, and they were talking about, you know, the window for the 49ers. You know, if, if they win this year, you know, what the success, success can be, and if they don't make it, you know, what's the, the likelihood of them still being at this level. And, you know, one of the things they said was uh, two knowledgeable guys, which I never really talked football with them, but in any event um, – the first thing they said was, well, Coleman will be a cap casualty. And I thought about it. I was like, I mean, I guess, you know, when you look at it, uh, they have all these guys under contract. McKinnon, who apparently was a great mentor to the team in facing Minnesota. Uh, Coleman, Mostert, and, um, and Brita. And so it makes sense for them to part with one. And he, you know, prior to this game was the one that looked like the odd man out. But, you know, Mostert really hasn't taken more than 12 to 15 touches. And so that makes you a little bit concerning for a guy who's an undrafted free agent that they don't have a lot invested in whereas Coleman is the guy that they clearly invested in this offseason and so what their offseason plans I think will determine if if Coleman is 
you know, one of three with most certain maybe. McKinnon. Do we think McKinnon? Because yeah. he has four million dead money. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. Uh, uh, they might. I, I don't know how good he is at this point. Now, and certainly reliability but and in, availability. In, 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 in a limited case. role, he could probably still give something, you know, and, and as we've seen, Breida has been really phased out. You know, he played a little bit because it was a blowout, but. You know, it's been sort of Coleman and Mostert as just being the two guys there. But it, it's going to be, you know, something I think that we have to keep an eye on. He, uh, your fans are, your fan friends are right about him. He's a 49, $4.9 million cap savings for the 49ers if they cut him. And it's the last year of the deal. No dead money. So it's kind of a, a good situation. Rapid fire email questions and answers from Aaron. Hello, probes, Chen and Kyohan. Keep three for as long as you want. Lamar Jackson, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, Devonta Adams, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Travis Kelsey. So right when you thought it was going to be pretty easy with Jackson, Jacobs, and Adams, he adds in Allen, Lockett, Kelsey. Which three are you keeping? Kelsey, Adams, and Jackson. Kelsey, Adams, Jacobs for me. I, I have to hold on to Kelsey and Jacobs. And I think Devonta Adams is going to get drafted before Lamar Jackson. I hate letting Lamar Jackson go, but I'd rather have those pieces this, in place. Whenever you have longevity like this, I would take the safer positions. Devin from a town an hour east of Pittsburgh with consistently good college basketball and football programs. Dear Adam, 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 and Adam. Hmm. Great stuff on Dynasty last week. Are you able to provide more detail on how to actually do the drafting to get started, i.e. the draft order for veteran players, how that relates to the order for rookie drafts? Do you do two separate drafts with reverse order? If you're starting a Dynasty League, and we are going to keep talking about Dynasty stuff throughout the offseason, uh, do, you do, you, do you do a separate draft now? Do you do it right after the real NFL draft? Do you incorporate rookies into your first ever Dynasty League draft? The two dynasty leagues that I play in, both were done differently. The first one, which is the one that we've first, the draft that we did here, not the first one, but the draft we did here in our office, we did a veteran draft and then a rookie draft. And the way that we did it, if you want to do it the same way, was we just reversed the order of the veteran draft. So if it was Ben, me, Dave, then the rookie draft went Dave, me, Ben. Mm -hmm. So it just was uh, background. I, I told the story when we talked about this the last time that it worked out really well for me because I picked 13th of 14 in the veteran draft and I picked second in the rookie draft and it was McCaffrey's rookie year and the person picking first took Fournette. I took McCaffrey and I've been thrilled about it ever since. Um, <laughs> the other dynasty league that I, I uh, take part in, we started after the NFL draft and so that one was just everybody in the mix. Depends on how many drafts you really want to do, right? Yeah, I think, you know, and then we actually did the one in the office. We did three drafts because then we did a supplemental draft after mm -hmm. with all the players that were left. Because we did a draft. This was also. The veteran draft was before the NFL draft. Veteran the rookie draft was after, was after, after the season. That. Right. Veteran draft was after but the season. But before the NFL draft. Before the NFL draft. The rookie draft was after the NFL draft. And, and then the supplemental was supplemental like during one. the preseason. Right. Because that one, again, we also do it with IDPs. And so it made it a little bit easier to sort of do it that way from Albert tough choice for keepers here. We have a $200 budget need to keep four Camara at $16 Kittle at $12 Singletary at $8 Metcalf at $8 Miles Sanders at $25 and you have to decide by the Super Bowl. I'm not keeping Sanders. No way. Way too much. Do you keep four? Yeah. Keep four. Keep the rest. Camara, Kittle, Singletary, Metcalf. Absolutely. Easy. Uh, last one, Jeff in South Jersey. Hey, Alan, Shirley, Paul, no, and just, Denny. You have to keep four because if you don't have to keep four, I might throw about Metcalf. That's a little pricey for him. I don't mind keeping him for eight. For a $200 budget. Oh, $200. Budget, budget, not oh, $200 I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. If it was a $100 budget, I would have some questions about it too. So I get that. Uh, I can keep one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end. DK Metcalf for a ninth. Debo for a 14th. 
James Conner for a 13th, Ronald Jones for a 13th, Zach Ertz for a 5th, Dallas Goddard for a 14th, or 12th or 13th, depending on what other keepers you keep. So keep one wide receiver. DK for a 9, Debo for a 14. I'm keeping Debo. Debo. Yeah. James Conner for a 13th, Rojo for a 13th. Which one are you going to keep? I mean, Conner. Conner, come on. Conner it is. Zach Ertz for a 5th over Goddard. It's pretty obvious. For sure. A lot of coaching changes going on around the NFL. We're going to talk about that throughout the rest of the week. And, of course, toward the end of the week, a lot of DFS discussion to get you ready for the conference championship games. It's an exciting time to be a football fan. Exciting time to play a little fantasy in DFS. Did you, were you successful in your DFS exploits this weekend? Yep. Tannehill worked out. I, uh, I got myself a big fat zero. I want absolutely nothing. My DFS picks were terrible. For Ben Schrager, for Jamie Eisenberg, I'm Dave Richard. Thanks for coming out.